Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse, and I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep, Cat and Mouse in Partnership. This is the Brothers Grimm, uh, Brothers Grimm story. I think it was in Household Tales. Um, and then this it's one, called Children and Household Tales. Children Kinder- and Hausmärchen. Right. And then um, this is a the Lucy Crane translation with illustrations by uh, is it her brother, yep. Walter Crane. Um, beautiful illustrations. Everybody should check them out. Um, this is one of my favorites, I think, of all the ones I've read. And there's many, many, many Brothers Grimm. This is one of my favorites. It's it's uh, It's got a meanness to it. <laughs> it scares me. Um, and I, I think kids love it, too, um, because it tells you what it's doing. And then it it doesn't. It's unrelenting, which is kind of nice. Um, I do want to make a note. Apparently, um, I was just I was listening to different translations of it, um, and some it might be the the case, as someone pointed out, that the original German has the two characters um, both as female, whereas the version we have, the cat is male and the mouse is female. I'm not sure why there's a change there. Um, I think it could radically change the interpretation. And um, I wasn't inclined to say it's a story of, you know, male meanness as much as that is the way of the world. But maybe you want to read it for us and let uh, let the interpretations begin then. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, um, it's worth remembering that... Uh, German has male and female and neuter uh, as different varieties of nouns, mm-hmm. uh, unlike English. Which So making the cat have a female may simply be that it's die Katze uh, rather than der Katze. Mm-hmm. See? So anyway, uh, my German's not good enough for me to make that argument, but I would happily read Cat and Mouse in partnership Rendered into English by Lucy Crane in, I think, 1882, and obviously she uh, she's writing it in English, no matter what source she's using. Cat, mm-hmm. having made acquaintance with a mouse, professed such great love and friendship for her that the mouse at last agreed that they should live and keep house together. We must make provision for the winter, said the cat, or we shall suffer hunger, and you, little mouse, must not stir out, or you will be caught in a trap. So they took counsel together and bought a little pot of fat, and then they could not tell where to put it for safety, but after long consideration, the cat said, there could not be a better place than the church, for nobody would steal there, and they would put it under the altar and not touch it until they were really in want. So this was done and the little pot placed in safety. But before long, the cat was seized with a great wish to taste it. Listen to me, little mouse, said he. I have been asked by my cousin to stand godfather for a little son she has brought into the world. He is white with brown spots and they want to have the christening today. So let me go to it and you stay at home and keep house. Oh, yes, certainly, answered the mouse. 
pray, go by all means. And when you are feasting on all the good things, think of me. I should so like a drop of the sweet red wine. But there was not a word of truth in all this. The cat had no cousin and had not been asked to stand godfather. He went to the church, straight up to the little pot, and licked the fat off the top. Then he took a walk over the roofs of the town, saw his acquaintances, stretched himself in the sun, and licked his whiskers as often as he thought of the little pot of fat. And then when it was evening, he went home. Here you are at last, said the mouse. I expect you have had a merry time. Oh, pretty well, answered the cat. And what name did you give the child, asked the mouse. Top off, answered the cat dryly. Top off, cried the mouse. That is a singular and wonderful name. Is it common in your family? What does it matter, said the cat. It's not any worse than crumb picker like your godchild. A little time after this, the cat was again seized with a longing. Again, I must ask you, said he to the mouse, to do me a favor and keep house alone for a day. I have been asked a second time to stand godfather, and as the little one has a white ring round its neck, I cannot well refuse. So the kind little mouse consented, and the cat crept along by the town wall until he reached the church, and going straight to the little pot of fat, devoured half of it. Nothing tastes so well as what one keeps to oneself, said he feeling quite content with his day's work. When he reached home, the mouse asked what name had been given to the child. Half gone, answered the cat. Half gone, cried the mouse. I've never heard such a name in my life. I'll bet it is not to be found in the calendar. Soon after, the cat's mouth began to water again for the fat. Good things always come in threes, said he to the mouse. Again, I have been asked to stand godfather. The little one is quick, black, quite black with white feet and not any white hair on its body. Such a thing does not happen every day. So you will let me go, won't you? Top off, half gone, murmured the mouse. They are such curious names. I cannot but wonder at them. That's because you are always sitting at home, said the cat, in your little gray frock and hairy tail, never seeing the world, and fancying all sorts of things. So the little mouse cleaned up the house and set it all in order. Meanwhile, the greedy cat went and made an end of the little pot of fat. Now all is finished, one's mind will be easy, said he, and came home in the evening quite sleek and comfortable. The mouse asked at once what name had been given to the third child. It won't please you any better than the others, answered the cat. It is called All Gone. All Gone, cried the mouse. What an unheard of name. I never met anything like it. All Gone, whatever can it mean? And shaking her head, she curled herself round and went to sleep. After that, the cat was not again asked to stand godfather. When the winter had come and there was nothing more to be had out of doors, the mouse began to think of their store. Come, cat, said she. We will fetch our pot of fat. How good it will taste, to be sure. Of course it will, said the cat, just as good as if you stuck your tongue out of window. So they set out, and when they reached the place, they found the pot, but it was standing empty. Ah, now I know what it all meant, cried the mouse. Now I see what sort of a partner you have been. Instead of standing godfather, you have devoured it all up. First top off, then half gone, then will you hold your tongue, screamed the cat. Another word, and I'll devour you too. And the poor little mouse, having all gone, 
on her tongue, out it came and the cat leaped upon her and made an end of her. And that is the way of the world. Pretty brutal, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so much, so much going on in my mind when I'm reading this story, like, Oh, this means all like it, it's all. I mean, m- mice and cats can't talk, Eric. So this is not about oh, mice and cats. Jesse. Oh, now you're going to tell me there's no Santa Claus. Well, I don't know about that, but uh, uh, what I do know is mice and cats don't live together in harmony, uh, and I guess this story proves it. Um, there are a number of um, ways of interpreting it, I think, but the number uh, the the number I think is not f- infinite but it's 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 a big number but <laughs> one of the ways i think uh, it's interesting to point to is uh the relationship that the cat and the mouse have uh with the church um so the cat there's this uh, interesting phenomenon right so it starts a cat having made acquaintance with the mouse professed such great love and friendship for her that the mouse at last agreed that they should live and keep house together. So if I was uh, reading this as uh, just two people, I would say that, oh, that's a domestic partnership, as in a.k.a. You know, husband and wife, right? Mm. Um, obviously, cats and mice don't live together like that <laughs> in marriage, right? But they do have this godfather and godmother phenomenon that they keep referring to. The cat talks about how he has to go to the church to be godfather and do the christening, right? Mm-hmm. And even the cat mentions that uh, you have a your godmother to a, a crumb thief, right? <laughs> crumb, crumb picker, crumb, picker, crumb, crumb thief. Uh, there's a bunch of different translations. This one's crumb picker. Um, and then where do they hide their their valuables? The thing that's going to help them throughout the winter? It's under the altar in the church. And yet, the cat is the only one allowed to go to the church, right? The, the mouse has to stay home. The mouse can't be seen out uh, during the day. Um, the cat can prowl and see his quote-unquote acquaintances. Um, he doesn't have friends, I guess. Um and yet, uh, when they, you know, the cat takes the mouse to the church to get the the thing that is there valuable, he knows that there's no such thing there. He's even telegraphing it and saying, um, you know, you're going to enjoy this as much as you would sticking your tongue out the window, which is, you know, a place, again, outside the house that the mouse is not allowed to go. So when they get there and the... Uh, mouse finally puts it all together. Um, <laughs> that's where the sacrifice is made, right? Uh, or I guess not the sacrifice, but the, um, the consummation. <laughs> it's really interesting to think of it like, w- what does all this religious stuff have to do with it? Because normally, I would just say this is, and that that ending, right? This is uh, a lot like that. I don't know if it's the the uh, ancient Greek slave story. Um, uh, the frog and the scorpion, you know that story? Yep, but why don't you remind others? Well, I'm going to go by memory, but it goes something like this. There's a there's a scorpion crawling through the desert, and there's a river or a pond, um, and in the pond is a frog. The frog 
sees the scorpion and tries to swim away, but the scorpion says, hey, don't swim away from me. I, I need to talk to you. The fr- frog says, no, I, I can't trust you. You're a scorpion. And the scorpion says, I'm on the land. I can't possibly hurt you. Just come a little closer. And the scorpion, uh, the frog swims closer, and the scorpion says, yeah, so I, I want to get across this river. Um, would you give me a ride? And then the frog says, no, no, you're a scorpion. You're dangerous. If I uh, gave you a ride, you'd kill me. And then the scorpion says, no, look, dude, I'm not going to I'm not gonna kill you. If, if I stung you, uh, you'd drown, which means I'd drown, and we'd both drown, so I won't do that. And the frog says, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> so the frog swims closer. Scorpion hops on the back, and the frog starts swimming across the river with a scorpion on the back. About halfway across the river, the scorpion stings the frog. And the frog says, you've stung me. I'm going to die. I'm going to drown. And you will too. Why did you do that? And then the scorpion says, I'm a scorpion. Yeah. So um, in that case, uh, I think it's even clearer. Um, you know, scorpions are not just dangerous to others. They're dangerous to themselves. Right. Um, but more importantly, they're just dangerous. Um, here, uh, ultimately, the cat is fine. In fact, it had two stores for the winter, right? It First, it milked the, the mouse for all its its wealth and household duties. And then it ate the mouse. So not only did it get the fat, it also got the mouse. And it survived the winter just fine. Um, the uh, One of the podcasts are... Uh, YouTube narrators I listened to, her name was Inga Vesper. She did a very nice reading of it. Um, she pointed out that if you look at the time in, the, in which the story was collected in the very early 19th century, Germany was suffering all sorts of problems, and they were telling some pretty gruesome tales. That's where Hansel and Gretel comes from, right? And a bunch of other similar stories that are the more brutal end of... Um, of uh, a Brothers Grimm. And um, it's uh, sort of telling you you can't trust people. You can't trust what people's nature is or what they claim is. And one, one other than what I've said so far, the other thing that really strikes me is that the cat makes very elaborate stories before uh, he goes off to lick the fat. But when he comes back, he doesn't bother with his lies very much. Right comes first thing that pops into his head as the name of the uh, or is the name of the animal right the name of the the cat that he is godfather to the godson is always half what is it uh, top off half gone all gone and and there's a con uh, there's like a, a level of psychology in here that the cat is having some sort of problems with these lies but he gets over it. So th- that's my first gloss on all the amazing things that are going on in this very, very short story. Um, those all sound right to me. I, I like the story a lot. It's There are some questions that I fear I know the answer to, mm-hmm. and I wish, I, wish I, I wish the answer I come up to, I've come up with is wrong. Um, the story can be read uh, like the scorpion story. It's just nature. Uh, the, the expression playing cat and mouse, 
goes back to a habit that people have observed for millennia, ever since people began keeping cats um, in ancient Egypt in order to keep down vermin. And that is the cats do toy with mice. They bat them around. They, yep. they don't just eat them. Right. They they play with them. In fact, mm-hmm. people who own domestic cats sometimes complain about the cats bringing in the the remains of what they have. You know, like, look what I managed to the, my trophy. Mm-hmm. So this is playing cat and mouse and playing house also is an expression mm-hmm. uh, that we know. But I don't know how far back that goes. But I do know that according to the Oxford English Dictionary, playing cat and mouse goes back at least to the. Uh, first half of the 18th century in English. I can't check it out in German. I, my German's not good enough to uh, read the uh, Grimmsgurt Wörterbuch uh, and get the uh, historical uh, sense of things. It is, by the way, these Grimms that founded what became the single most uh, extraordinary German dictionary. The, these guys were, were quite something, Jakob and Wilhelm. Mm-hmm. So here we have something that plays with the nature of these animals, they are being personified, uh, we can tell by their language, but also by the kinds of behavior that they're given. Um, I would note that it makes more sense for it to be male and female, because a feminist reading of this is, I think, easy and strong. It is, very, especially if you make them male and female, right? Absolutely. Uh, the, the, the male has to convince at great length and protestations of love Mm -hmm. that they ought to keep house together, which, you know, let's play house means let's make believe we're a man and wife. That's right. Uh, But of course they can't really be a man and wife. And the reason they can't is that they do not have benefit of clergy. The idea that nobody would steal from the church, they've after all put the pot of fat directly below the altar. Right. Right. The, the, The central place of sacrifice Right, the altar is where you offer up your 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 sacrificial gifts to God, mm-hmm. and in a Christian environment, that means this is where someone dies. Right, Christ rises above the altar, and in many churches, there's a statue of Jesus on the cross right above the altar. Um, that's certainly where the Eucharist is when the priest blesses it to turn it into the body of Jesus, and so. What our cat has done here is abused the church, right? He mm-hmm. has not used the church to marry, and yet he has used the protection of the altar to presage that there is going to be a sacrifice here for the person in control of the church, mm-hmm. not for the people who come to the church. And so this pot of gold is a little bit like the Eucharist, um, pot, of, pot of fat is a little bit like the Eucharist. Oh, here, we'll take, consume this, consume that, mm-hmm. and so on. But when there's nothing left to consume, it's the person himself, or herself in this case, who gets consumed. Now, it's interesting that the one time the mouse talks about um, consumption, she says, think of me, I would like to taste that red wine. Yep as if she could be part of the the mass. And, of course, she's prevented from being part of the mass by the cat, who says, no, 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 you stay, you might get caught in a trap. In effect, 
when he says, well, you don't understand anything, you see, but you are always sitting at home in your little gray frock and hairy tail, never seeing the world and fancying all sorts of things. She stays at home because he tells her to stay at home. Yep. She wasn't at home to begin with. So he has arrogated the power of the church to himself. He is using this as a man keeping a woman down. He is consuming the woman's labor. He is consuming their joint capital, which is this pot of fat. And he is then ultimately, when all else uh, is used up, going to consume her. If you take a look at Walter Crane's illustrations, I should point out that as far as I was able to to discover Long, long ago when I was doing research on the Pre-Raphaelites at the British Museum, Walter Crane's book on the illustration of children's books is the first theoretical work on such things, at least in English. Hmm. Uh, So he's a very thoughtful, thoughtful and uh, uh, illustrator, did lots of writing, but his illustrations are superb. Mm -hmm. If you look at the headpiece Mm -hmm. of Cat and Mouse and Partnership, We have the same three-part joke structure, you know, top off, uh, half out, all out, uh, all gone. And you'll see that the cat is anthropomorphized, Mm -hmm. standing on two feet. He's got a a bib bib around his neck. If you look at the tail piece, the mouse is not anthropomorphized at all. Mm -hmm. It's just a mouse scampering away, but with such a long tail Mm -hmm. that it seems impossible for the mouse not to be caught. That's right. So in a way, what Walter Crane is doing is suggesting that we view this not simply as a story about male dominance of females, males doing that through lying and superior power. So we think that the protestation of love is a lie too, not simply by um, arrogating the power of the church to himself, to the males, but also by the fact of being human, that the cat does what cats do. And that is the way of the world. And the mouse can do nothing more than scamper away. Mm-hmm. Now, so as I look at this, I'm seeing the feminist issue. I'm seeing the church issue. I'm seeing the what is the fundamental nature issue. I'm looking at the, uh, the, the question of the church in relation to people. And I notice that without the benefit of clergy, there's no real marriage. When the cat and mouse decide that the, the pot of fat will be safe under the altar because no one would take it from that, that doesn't stop the cat at all. And now here's where it gets to the point where I'm beginning to wonder what the Grimm's meant, but I fear I know what they meant. (laughs) Um, If I had written this story, Mm -hmm. the fact that the cat is eating up the pot of fat on his own um, would mean that we should also understand that priests who are the ones authorized to go up to the altar – you know, they'll take the sacramental wine back with them, and in the, ve- the vestry, they'll just drink it all down themselves. That, in fact, those who nominally control the church really are doing it for their own benefit. I would see this as critical of the church. However, knowing that the Grimm's establish a fundamentally sexist world in the collectivity of the 200 or so stories where 
some things are for males and some things are females, knowing that they explicitly write anti-Semitism into stories that in the original earlier versions were not anti-Semitic at all. Um, there is something so hidebound and I think mean-spirited about the Grimm's that I believe that when they say at the end, and that is the way of the world, that's not meant for us to say to ourselves, ah, yes, we have to wonder about how men treat women, or ah, yes, we have to wonder about how the church treats uh, treats its flock. I think all it's saying is, and you know what? The church does get used in these ways, but if you don't really have the church directly involved, it can go wrong because... You know, let's face it, not people, but some will lie, and uh, that's just the way it is. So this mm. story is to put you on on the alert. I wish that it were, in fact, a much deeper critique, a pro-feminist uh, and an anti-clerical uh, satire, but I think it's not. Yeah, I, I, I don't see it as very critical of the church uh, at all. I think that the... the the sharpness so one of the things about the story is that it's almost entirely from the cat's point of view even though the cat is the monster the mouse is the victim um and and is subject to the cat's will the only time the cat ever sort of has to consider the mouse is when the cat says may i go out i have this good excuse let me tell you about what color the uh my little cousin's baby is right, and that that description white with brown spots, right, and then uh, a white with a ring, uh, uh, with a white ring around its neck, and then the last one is like I think it's uh, white paws. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was thinking, mm, there's something to that. I think that 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 is um, the elaborate sort of lies that kids can. You know, uh, this is I think directed for children, right? This is a children's story. It's traditionally how we take it, even if that's not what it is. I mean, it's kinder and household, right? They're right. fun for adults as well, but uh, I think they're more powerful for children. And um, But you notice that the excuse he gives mm-hmm. is not that he has to visit a dying cousin. No. Nope. Right? He, he has to go back to the church yep. and perform a duty within the church. He keeps lying about the use of the church. Yep. And I think kids do pick up on this. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, uh, on on the third page of our version, at the very top, there's um, a passage where he's he's um, he strikes back at the mouse for questioning him. So on the very bottom of the second page, it says, Top off, half gone, murmured the mouse. They are such curious names. I cannot but wonder at them. That's the second time wonder has been used in the story. And then the cat strikes back. And this, to me, is classic gaslighting, which is a very evil technique used by very bad people. Um, Listen to this. That's because you are always sitting at home, said the cat, in your little gray frock and hairy tail, never seeing the world and fancying all sorts of things. Uh, well, the evidence has been building, right? <laughs> um, the fact that, you know, you have two cousins whose babies are not in the, in the calendar, as the 
cap, uh, as the mouse puts it, right? Um, for those who are unfamiliar, that means the calendar of saints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're so, not Christian so, names. Exactly. And so uh, I don't know about this, thinks the the mouse. And then when we get that final one, by that point, I think it's building and building in in the not only in the reader's mind because obviously we're we're seeing it from the cast point of view but in the mouse's mind too it asks us to project sort of into the mind of the mouse as well as uh, a bit into the mind of the cat and if you look at the that early illustration it doesn't say the exact same, uh, that first header illustration it doesn't actually say the same things as this as the text does it says all out half out top off and in each of those um, situations, there's a, a a kitten in the pot, right? Rather than fat. And all out, I was thinking this is like the knowledge is all out, right? The knowledge is in the consciousness. Half out, the knowledge is, hmm, starting, there's something there. And then top off, oh, there's just that hint of, hmm, there's something wrong with this. So when the mouse confronts the cat in the in those final passages saying i don't believe you you're a liar our domestic partnership is uh a fake and and i don't necessarily need to this to be a uh feminist or any kind of critique of gender as much as it's a critique of people there are people who are like this they they will eat you out of house and home and then leave you right and that it's almost like the church can't help you. You need to be very noticing the details about what kind of person you marry, young children. You don't want to marry the kind of guy who says, oh, I'm going off to the church and working extra job, but he's actually going to the casino, right? <laughs> and, and throwing all your domestic uh, partnership money away because that's going to wreck your marriage. And what happens at the end, the marriage is destroyed. And and it's almost well, like there's no marriage if there's only one partner surviving. Indeed, and <laughs> and and but the uh, the idea here is like the cat is playing with the mouse, right, all the way through the story. But it it's like it's taunting the mouse and saying, "Oh well, I have this uh, big long windy excuse as to why I need to leave the house and be all gone all day, and then when I come back, oh yeah, whatever." Uh, it was a cat's. Uh, uh, the the cat's name was Top Off, huh? Right? Uh, fight me? Are you going to fight me on this? No, I didn't think so. Right? This very abusive relationship. I want to read you the open uh, opening of the Wikipedia entry on gaslighting. It goes like this: Gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation in which a person seeks to sow seeds of doubt in a targeted individual or in members of a targeted group, making them question their own memory, perception, and sanity. Using persistent denial, misdirection, contradiction, and lying, gaslighting involves attempts to destabilize the victim and delegitimize the victim's beliefs. So there's only that one instance of it. But uh, with all this devotion to the church, you know, oh, I've got to go do my duty as as a good godfather, and a godfather's job is, you know, a holy duty. There's, there's a kind of horrible, horrible psychological undercurrent to this story. And it, it's, um, 
it's it, the the mouse is becoming aware of it, but the the cat basically knows it's a monster. And one of the things it says is, "Now all is finished. One's mind will be easy," said he, and came home. He's talking to himself and came home in the evening, quite sleek and comfortable. Oh, I don't have to lie anymore," says the says the cat to himself. I I was troubled a little bit about lying about how the. It's almost like how gamblers work, right? They they kind of want to lose everything because then at least they won't have this idea that there's, they can win it all back, right? There's this horrible psychological undercurrent to the story that it, it, it doesn't say why the scorpion does what it's doing, right? We never understand that, but we do know a scorpion is a scorpion. But and I think this... A cat and a cat is um is not the friend of a mouse, right? I think this story goes further than that. I think it goes further than that. In the middle of the story, the cat says, "Nothing tastes so well as what one keeps to oneself," said he, feeling quite content with his day's work. That, in fact, is not true unless one is a solipsist. Or a sociopath. Yeah, sociopath for in sure. In fact, this stands absolutely against any sense of being part of a family or even a community. So what we see here is the opportunity for the reader, be it a child or an adult, to have the monster, as you call him, reveal himself in his own words, not because of his nature, but because after all, he's going to go, he's got cousins and things, but because of his personal character, his personal character is one that cares not for individuals and that presages what he's going to do with his nominal partner. Uh, There are two other things that I would want to say. One, a small one, and one perhaps not so small. The small one is, um, When I first read this, which was long before I'd ever gone to Germany, um, I wondered why a pot of fat. But it turns out that in Germany, people do actually use pots of fat. Um, There is something that I was introduced to the day I landed from my first lecture tour there. My host took me out to a restaurant and he ordered speck, which is basically a a pot of fat with little specks of bacon Mm. throughout. And it's used as a spread on toast. Right. So, okay. So that struck me as odd, but I think in the German context, it's not supposed to be odd. It's just mouthwatering. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to go back to that headpiece. Um, yes, the, the label on the pots, all out, half out, top off, are not the words in the story. But remember, the story is being illustrated by the, the brother of the translator. Mm-hmm. There was, there's no mistake here. No. There's no mistake. So if you take a look at that top, that headpiece, top off on the far right, it shows when the cat is taking the top off the pot. Mm-hmm. Half out shows the cat, the kitten, half out. And all out shows the kitten having exited the pot. So the pot is now empty. Mm-hmm. What this move, movement from right to left is the opposite of the way we read the story and the opposite of the way our eyes go in time. What Crane, Walter Crane, has done here is given us all the information we need, but out of order mm-hmm. and with different words so that he's not giving away the ending unless we're willing to look at things 
completely reversed. He is letting us know what the joke is or what the outcome is, but only reversed. So that on a second reading, we look at this and we realize what all of this means. In effect, the the story is framed by a headpiece and tailpiece that say, if you look at things one way, then it'll come out a certain way where cats will eat mice. And at the end, that tailpiece is just a mouse. But if you look at them another way, you'll realize that the cats need to take responsibility for it. Yet all the mice can do is run. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, I think, a deeply moral take on the story that thus the text and the pictures together give us, um, which m- probably was not what the Grimm brothers intended. No, I agree. So if they were listening to this, they would, in fact, tell us there's always more to say. And remember, you can always freely access the materials discussed on these podcasts by going to sffaudio.com and clicking on the link for Reading Short and Deep.